Good morning, Catherine and Christopher. Good morning. Thank you for uh, having me on again. Good morning. Remember last week when I said we would never talk about Jean-Michael Basquiat again? Yeah, what happened? I may have not been accurate about that. I couldn't stop thinking about him or especially Catherine's weird relationship with him. (laughs) Oh, God. And then I was thinking about other artists and for some inexplicable reason... Norman Rockwell was the first artist, or not the first one, but he, he's the one who kept coming back into my head as a, as a counterweight to Basquiat. Basquiat. Okay, so that's interesting. I've decided this week, and because Catherine is a really terrible enabler and won't say no to my bad ideas, I decided <laughs> it would be a great idea to have like an art off where we have two artists enter the octagon, but only one artist leaves. Okay. Uh, so yeah. we're going to be comparing and contrasting the two to see which is the better artist. That is Jean-Michael Basquiat or Norman Rockwell. Catherine, can you give us some general idea of who Jean-Michael Basquiat is or was? Um, he was originally a street artist in where, Brooklyn. Well, just say New York. It doesn't matter. These kids don't care. No, no, he's a Brooklyn kid. <laughs> I think, got, I think that's got, important like, to know. famous, yeah. like, is part of the Andy Warhol's factory. And became a force in the art world and kind of transitioned from street artist to, you know, showing in galleries and becoming very famous for his um, kind of primitive depictions of some figurative work and, and, and wording. When was he active? Oh, the 80s. The 80s. Norman Rockwell was an American illustrator born in 1894, died in 1978, worked through most of the 20th century uh, doing illustrations for magazines and books and the Department of Interior, things of that nature. Not a hyper-realist, but you know, based on realism and, and basically mm-hmm. starting off as an illustrator. And my contention is that some of his works bleed over into the world of art because of their emotional content. So what we're going to do today, we're going to actually look at a specific subset of paintings from each of them. We have four or five pieces from each. And try to come up with uh, some consensus, hopefully, between the three of us, about which is relevant, which is better. Maybe trying to make some sense of all this together, because clearly some of us have some blind spots when it comes to Basquiat. And some (laughs) of us have some blind spots when it comes to Norman Rockwell. Because it's not cab- there are no cowboy paintings here. Yeah, I thought that was this interesting. Is not Before Remington. the show got started, Catherine had said there's uh, cowboy art in one of these. Oh, boy. Which I thought was funny because when she said that, I like I re-looked at the painting because I thought I saw it wrong. Actually, Native American, right? I mean, Navajo. those are Native Americans. Yeah, it's a Navajo yeah. family. So, I, I, oh, boy. And they're looking at a dam in Arizona. Is it because... because is it because of the flying birds that you think of the cowboy scene? I think it was the guys on horses. The Navajo mother on, on horseback thought made mm-hmm. you think of cowboys. If we're talking about first impressions, that was my first impression. And then I looked at it, I realized what it was, but it, 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 that, that was my first impression. Catherine, I think you need to give these pieces a little bit more time to breathe. Don't prejudge <laughs> so much. Okay, talk about the piece. Well, uh, did you have something to say, Christopher? Well, um, are we going to choose certain pieces? Because if we do choose the Native American one, which I believe is uh, entitled Navajos at Glen Canyon Dam, Mm -hmm. there's an interesting piece also that we're looking at, which is called Beef Rib Longhorn. Uh, And if if anything's cowboy-ish, 
or huh. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Those would be two contrasting pieces because on the one hand you have this very detailed rock with the Navajo sitting on top of a horse. And interesting enough, there's like a, a very thin dog uh, that almost looks like it's being tied down by the massive electric power lines that are being generated. Yeah, it really the, does. Dam in the so background. I, I guess what we should do. Yeah, I was going to start with the connoisseur, but let's jump in with uh, Navajo family at uh, Glen Canyon Dam. Yeah. So let me, I'll describe that one. And I think then we can follow up with the Basquiat uh, painting because I think Catherine is my understanding that I sent these images, these Norman Rockwell <laughs> images, Catherine, and she came, she tried specifically, and I think this was really interesting of her, to come up with pieces, individual uh, Basqui- Basquiat pieces that could not counter them, but uh, act as a foil to them. I'll publish these on the website so you can see the images. You can go to our website, subrantpodcast.com to see the images. Uh, obviously that'll make a lot more sense, but I'll just try to sketch out the, the Glen Canyon dam quickly. What we're seeing is the backs of a Navajo family. So they're all looking at the dam, which is in, in, in the distance. And we see a mother, son, and a father. The mother is on the horseback. Oh, and there's also a dog. And the dog is interesting because the dog literally has his tail between his legs. That's the general sketch. There's also an eagle and a hawk, which is kind of strangely positioned in the painting. Now that you have the mental sketch in your mind, or you've gone to a website to take a look at it, I'll just launch into my uh, understanding of the piece. And what I love about this piece, and I chose this piece, uh, what, I, what I'm really struck by with this piece is that he's, uh, Rockwell is able to imbue such emotion and content by just showing the backs of people. Because the way they're standing and the way they're looking at the dam all have slightly contradictory or ambivalent uh, uh, emotions with them. So, for instance, the dog actually literally has his tail b- between his legs. So that is not really a positive emotion. But And the mother looks, she's sitting on the horse, and she's not slouched, but she's a little bit slouched. And she looks kind of blank, almost like she's not really sure what to think about it. The son is also unsure. And the father, just the way they're standing is this sense of ambiguity. is like they're, they're seeing this amazing thing in front of them, and they're not sure how they feel about it. And this is, I think, a really good response because this is a brand new dam, which may impact them well or may impact them negatively because, you know, this is their region. So theoretically, they'll be getting electrical power from it, but it's also re-engineered their landscape. And that's why I chose this because it's an illustration where you can clearly read all the elements but it gives, it, it, he's such a master illustration. He's able to use people's backs to describe an emotional response. And th- this is just such a, a powerful piece for me. That's my take on it. What do you guys think? Okay. No, I agree with you, actually. I'm looking at it again. Except that you thought it was cowboy art. Well, it, that's what it reminded me of. And I just think I have such a visceral response to cowboy art i just saw that and i just my mind turned off i didn't get into the the detail oriented yeah this is this is certainly is not a um a remington i mean not that i have anything against remington but uh, you know he certainly remington certainly falls into his own category there right and should be taken i think differently right i just looked at it and i was like oh and i saw the dam i i kind of got what was going on and i i do think it's interesting i did notice the dog being tied down Allegedly, by no, the, he's not tied down. Oh, oh I, I know he, he looks like yeah. Like Christopher brought that up, and that's the that's what I saw. I saw the horse, and my mind kind of went, blah. And then I saw the the power lines, and no, it's a very interesting piece. It's powerful. It's very well executed, and no, I like it now. 
And the, the funny thing is that this was painted for the Department of the Interior. So one would expect that this was supposed to be like a positive image and mm-hmm. is very ambiguous. Uh, so it's almost like uh, Rockwell pulled a fast one on the department. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so looking at this piece, I think it's, this is obviously a political piece. Right. Um, it, it's disguised at, with the sublime background with, you know, this huge dam that is obvious. It's far away yet still big. And the whole power line and the vast desert that I think this is what this is Rockwell's way of saying once again, we're just going to go around our promises (laughs) and do what's best for America and not necessarily the Navajos, which we have uh, made these agreements with. Am I wrong about that in this painting? I took it as being a little bit more ambivalent, but I can totally see how you could read it that way because there's a lot of negativity in it. You start with a dog, right? Literally with the tail between his legs. And also the weird thing, the weirdest element of the painting is the, the bald eagle and the hawk because you might have one in that scene. I don't know if the, the bald eagle is even in that area. But what that says to me is like these are two predatory birds. These are two birds of prey, which you wouldn't necessarily say together. And obviously the eagle, the bald eagle, references the United States. Right. Um, but then if you just had the eagle there, it could just be a reference to the United States. But by having the hawk there too, you're saying, you know, clearly you have some predators as part of the scene. And it's also on the left-hand side of the painting, right above the dam. So the left-hand side of the painting is the dam and the and these predatory birds. And the right-hand side is the Navajo family. You clearly have a contention between the two or tension between the two. Well, I thought what was also kind of interesting about this is, I mean, we have the animals in there, but in a lot of artwork that you see throughout the ages, there's this whole trilogy going on. And with the th- even though we have these animals in the sky and we have the dog in the ground, we still have this trilogy of the, I guess, supposed father, mother, and child going on here. And I thought that was kind of interesting as far as the composition and also sending a message that these aren't, this isn't just one person. This is a family. This is a tribe. This is a culture. This is a people. And so I thought that was kind of interesting about it too. It's like a key figure in in the painting. Say again? The environment itself is a key figure in the painting. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It is because it's so stark. And then this dam just kind of, it doesn't blend in. Yeah, it doesn't blend in. It's more stark. And what's funny about this, he does all the detail in the rocks, which is interesting because then you have this non-detailed sky, which is kind of not normal for his style, right? He usually fills the whole canvas with details, like that some is a kind of a yeah. Renaissance painting, you know? He is usually much more about the face and the expressions of the body. He's kind of sublimated that and put the landscape as, oh, I think that's one of the reasons the landscape seems to jump out as being a character out of its own. Yeah. All right. So let's hear about the survey. What's the survey? So what's the, what's the first uh, criteria, Catherine? The, what was your first impression? Oh, first impression was amazing. Yeah. I give it a full, solid 10. I'm going to give it first impressions, probably an eight because it takes with Rockwell. I think this is pretty common. The first impression is good, but it's really on, on examining it further is where it really comes alive for me. Catherine? Uh, a three. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's a fair, that was your original. That was original it. Yeah. Take. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next criteria. Does it evoke feelings? I give that a nine. I think mostly because I'm from Arizona. <laughs> I don't think it, you think that has to do with Arizona? Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine as well, because I think once you read into it, it, the subtlety of the emotions and the complexity of it is, I think, I think really interesting. 
Yeah. And once I looked at the piece closer, I would give it an eight. The third criteria is use of the medium, the technical expertise. Yeah, I give that a 10 also. Yeah, 10. I'll give it a 10. Yeah, yeah just, he, he rocks. His, he knows exactly what he's doing. And actually, yeah. <laughs> the other one of the other things we which we may not have time to get to is the connoisseur, which uh, I think if anybody has any questions about uh, Nolan Rockwell's technical prowess, it's answered with that painting. Was it, you know, thoughtful and or representative of the time period? Yeah, I'd give that a nine also. The the birds bother me in this whole piece. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think they needed to necessarily be there, but he obviously thought they needed to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a great point. Like I said, that seemed like a little bit of another discord, but I, I think that discord might be intentional. That's, that's my yeah, I do too. Take, so I'm going to give it a 10 and that leaves it to you, Catherine. Um, I'll give it an eight. I didn't like the birds either. It was Fair distracting point. visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I've been trying to imagine it with and without the birds. And I can go either way. I can totally see it would be a little bit less cluttered without them. But I, I think the, the note of discord that they add actually helps. What's well, so funny? What, when I looked at it, I put my finger over it to see if I'd like mm-hmm. it better. And the answer was yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it reads def- it, it reads a little bit more cleaner, uh, more, more cleaner, more cleanly or something. <laughs> Would you hang this on your wall? Absolutely. Ten. Uh, I would give this probably a seven. Uh, it's a beautiful piece. I'm just not sure I want to be reminded of it every day. Right. I wouldn't hang it on my wall. Okay. So that's a, 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 a zero or a two. Okay. So, Catherine, uh, mm-hmm. you had brought up uh, as the answer to this painting was the, uh, was it Beef Ribeye from Basquiat? Beef Ribeye. Why don't you go ahead and describe that painting for us? Beef ribs, longhorn, not beef ribeye. <laughs> oh, sorry. Beef ribs, longhorn was made in 19. Um, he painted it when he was 21 years old. It's an acrylic and oil stick on a paper collage. It's an image of a large animal with red eyes and evokes some emotion, maybe anger or sadness. He wrote this as a kind of a statement like of America in the 1980s, which was about pop and mass production. And it was some, about something being born and doomed. That's what people have oh, right. about it, about the piece. The piece, interestingly, the you know, and it, it was hard to find stuff about his work. A lot of the stuff was like copyright protected. People aren't commenting. I mean, there was just a lot. And I just kept looking at it. The one thing I saw, it was involved in a in a thematic installation. Of, so um, are you saying this was commissioned? Hmm? What? Go ahead. What? Did you? Uh, so this piece was commissioned also? No, it was just in a it was in a thematic installation of works depicting figures and exploring what it meant to be human. It was an uh, exhibition, like an installation called Creative. So it raises the issue. He was looking at how do people view certain animals? And the words, like when I looked at it, it was like the words, it's like when I looked at it, it's like at first, you know how like in butcher shops or sometimes they have like, you know, when they cut up the animal and then there's just like words about like the sirloin or the this or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah saying that's what it looked like initially to me that was my first impression of the piece Hmm. but the words that he uses it's like texas fourteen thousand dollars brand name and then there's like right above the left horn it says a a bald eagle with a ribbon in its mouth well i think it's funny that you said the word doomed because almost all the words suggest that and the one that i found humorous so this is a little bit of humor in here um, if you look un- kind of near the mouth, it says milk, but underneath that, it says aliens. <laughs> and Persia. <laughs> well, and then he, that little crown is his signature. That's like, that's how you know it's his piece, right? 
So I thought that was funny because the aliens, because in the 80s, which is when this piece came out, there was a lot of stuff in the news about uh, cattle mysteriously being chewed up by some monster, possibly aliens in the, in the night. And he, he threw it in there. So it's like, uh, and then of course he's got it. And you said something about the butcher shop. It almost looks like the, the wording on the back has been written on old butcher paper. Cause, uh, I actually happened to work in a meat shop for many years as a child, as a young man, as a, I'm sorry, as a, as a kid, really. And, um, yeah. And any time we took notes on when someone had an order, we just pulled a piece of butcher paper out and started writing on it. And then when we were done wrapping it up, we'd write on that also. And I, this reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. So that was, I mean, I'm saying, you know, sorry. I thought that other piece was cowboy art. <laughs> It's kind of funny to me now. When I saw this initially, it was very off-putting. And then the more, again, like with Basquiat's work, the more I look at it. And I really love this piece now. I can't even tell you why. Again, I just um, like it. On my scale, first impression, I just thought the, the, hor- the, the horse, the cow, the longhorn, looked, you know, angry and sad. You know, kind of um, in his little mouth. I don't know. It's like he was spewing something. Well, didn't he do a couple of bowls like this with the little circles squiggly squiggles on the butt seems like i remember some other ones like that too yeah there are some images like where you can see that even in another piece like you can see like the bull horns oh right when i saw this piece obviously it's a very impactful piece because you have Mm -hmm. a white largely white canvas with a, a completely jet black cow drawn kind of like a monstrous cow he's it's yeah. not it's not a friendly yeah, yeah, cow yeah. no um and so that you know that kind of punches you in the face a little bit mm-hmm. so it has an impact there and then i tried to start reading some of the words behind it i didn't see as much sense in those words as you guys did it was hard for me to get through it because i, I saw sprinklings of there's literally a section of the constitution in there about there is yes soldiers and indian fighters and aliens and phallic and I tried to get to a different, you know, a second level of understanding through the words, but as far as I could tell, the words just seemed to be random. Yeah, that was one discussion about it, and just in his work in general, that his words seemed random, but they were very well thought out. <laughs> and as I was reading the words, and, you know, who knows? I mean, we, we can't ask him. Everyone makes up their story. We're making up a story about this, right? I mean, I look at it, and I think, you know, I thought I saw cowboy art in your Rockwell, and now I'm, like, seeing this, like, you know, butcher paper thing. To me, as I was reading the words, it seemed like there were different themes. And the one with the Constitution about this, you know, no soldier shall in time of peace, and then without consent of owner. And there was some ownership. So I saw like some, and it was a little evocative of like trade, obviously, with the Texas 14,000. And then at the top, it's like, you know, total raw steel, cotton, man hours, tobacco, yeah, I don't. I don't want to read the whole thing. I, but like I said, I was just. I didn't feel like I could. I couldn't create a narrative from the words in any way. Yeah. Uh, was, or, or even. Or even. Not as, I'm looking for a narrative, or I'm looking for some way more maybe poetic, where the words themselves don't make sense, but in context they create an emotional response or have some other mm-hmm. meaning. And, th- and that's where it almost felt like it was taking away a little bit from the painting. I, I think if it was just the bull, the, the, the impact of the bull might be a little bit stronger. So right. let's, let's, Hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and do a, a quick survey on this based on your, was it five criteria? Oh, kind of just really quick. I'd like on? to compare the two as being similar. I don't know that they're similar. 
Well, I think there's a couple, I don't know exactly why I feel this way, but I both, like you said earlier, I both feel that there's some kind of a doom in the message that it's in place in both of these. Also, I thought between the two of them, I thought it was kind of interesting that the way they did the the frame. So, for example, as you have Rockwell who did the traditional frame and it says, OK, this is you know, this is how art looks. Right. And then and here and on, on this other piece, beef ribs, we got this exposed ribs. And I almost feel like, uh, you know, the frame, I don't know, for whatever reason, it reminds me of the dog because the dog was showing its ribs. And then you have this exposed frame, like you're seeing the ribs of the canvas. I don't know. It just has a feeling like desperation, a little bit of desperation in there. Right. And to me, it was like, um, like that the animal and or humans or, you know, the constitution, whatever he was referencing, the soldiers, like that it was all a commodity. Yeah. And that Texas 14,000, it wasn't really about the animal. Like, how do we view animals? We view, you know, a lot of people eat them. How, how do we view? All right. I mean, I, I guess you can see that, but it seems like a bit of a stretch to me. Though I will say what I think that was an interesting point you made about the framing on this piece. And I think basically this is, it's, kind of, it's a very weirdly constructed piece because the, uh, the struts of the frame actually go beyond the painting itself. And yeah. it's cut out in the corners, and this is not framed or a piece that would be easy to frame. So I think it's very conscious, a very conscious decision on Basquiat's part. I think this helps the raw emotional impact of it to have this almost discarded, like the cow may have been discarded, this discarded uh, platform for the work itself to be a little bit more raw. Whereas with Norman Rockwell, I wouldn't say that he was really thinking about the framing of it, uh, but his all his focus is on the image inside the canvas and not really so much how that canvas would be represented on the wall. Interesting. So, um, do you want to run us through those uh, those categories, and we can we can score? Oh, we can score. Okay. Okay. What was your first impression? I give it a nine. Wow. Okay. So your first impression is a nine. Uh, my first impression would probably let's see. I'm gonna give a five. No, I'm gonna give it a six. I'm gonna give it a six. Is like I said, it kind of punched you in the face. Catherine, what's your what's your number score? A nine. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, what's the next uh, criteria? Does it evoke feelings? For me, uh, absolutely. Um, I don't eat beef. And so when I see this, I go, okay, yeah, these are the reasons why animals like people are eventually just going to be butchered either mentally or physically somehow. And uh, yeah, so I thought that's that was my emotional pullback from this. Uh, eight. I'm going to give it a four because I was kind of conflicted about it. Uh, Catherine? Um, I'd give it a 10. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I guess the problem I'm having is I, I think you guys are bringing a lot of your preconceived ideas or what you've read about the piece to it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm projecting. But I'm trying to uh, evaluate. I the can't say that. I saw. The, I haven't seen this piece in years. I saw it for the first time this morning. Uh, 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 kind of an, an immediate response to the, the brutality of the painting. And I don't mean brutality in a, in a bad way. He, he, I think he conveyed that. Well, but anyway, that was yeah, interesting. The, yeah, the feeling was just doom and like the like commodify. I don't even know if commodification is the word, but like everything has a price. The soldiers, the 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 fields, the tobacco, the cattle. You know, well, everything is in there is, too. Know. And then there's the con- the constitution. So I mean, I don't want to limit right. every every piece of it, but well, and there's also oil in there. 
Okay, so the use of medium, and again, this was acrylic oil. Oh, pen, uh, I don't remember that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it was a you know, so the use of the medium in terms of technical proficiency. Oh, okay, technical It's proficiency. a collage, collage with um acrylic. Christopher, your number score? Yeah, I'm not so impressed by that aspect of it, so I'm going to give it a six. Yeah. Uh, say five. I'd go with the six also. Was it thoughtful or representative of the time period in the 80s? No, I think it's a little dated. This seems like stuff that was coming out in the 70s and maybe even the late 60s. So what's your what's your score? Two. Two, okay. Uh, I, I kind of pick up on that. Uh, this reads to me as being a little bit repetitive of um, Picasso in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a four. Okay. That leaves you, Catherine. I would give it a seven. Just because he brought back some figurative elements that weren't really imbued in a lot of the art of the 60s and 70s. And so... I think figuratively. And then what was the last category? Or Would you hang it on your wall? I would. That's a 10. So when you 10. jump, don't, that's Christopher's I'm turn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I probably would also, but it wouldn't be in a, it wouldn't be in a prominent spot. It'd be somewhere else. And so I would give that about a six. I would give this one a one, not completely out of the realm possibly, but very unlikely. Okay. Catherine, well, that leaves you. Uh, to yeah, I would. I would hang on my wall. I'd do a nine. Oh, excellent. Okay. Uh, now I have to go to the bathroom, guys. I'm sorry. I'll be back in just a moment. You guys can conspire against me while I'm gone. Well, we, you know, I got a feeling. Go ahead, James. I got a feeling if we cover the other pieces, the results are going to be nearly the same. I do too. Well, I think technically, I mean, you know, de- definitely Rockwell has the illustrative piece. I mean, the detail piece. I mean, and it seems like in some ways too. To compare them seems, is it, I don't like the word fair. Is there any comparison, really? I mean, they're coming at it from two different eras. They're coming at it from different perspectives. They're coming at it from a different artistic approach. You're comparing a realist, in some ways, an illustrator, to someone who was a graffiti artist and did a lot of abstract work. Well, Basqua, I think, honestly... If he had lived to be longer, I don't think the art would have evolved terribly a lot. I mean, he was basically doing the same thing for 10 years. 10 years is a long time to do the same thing. Right. If you look at Norman Rockwell, he was also doing the same thing. I think the details on every piece kept getting more details and more in depth into the figures' faces and stuff. And I don't want to say he was improving. I think his patience was improving. And when he was done, it took longer, maybe something to that effect. Because when you look at Norman's earlier pieces, even though they're fantastic, they they're more reminiscent of an illustrator and not an artist. And at the end of his or at the midpoint of his career and, and after, I don't feel he's an illustrator anymore. I feel he's not an illustrator anymore. I feel he's more of an artist, an established artist. All right, I'm back. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. I'm glad you decided something while I was gone. We, we just deconstructed the whole situation. Well, so I, I can just publish that part that you guys talked about and not, none of the rest of it? Well, James, we were saying is that I think if we were to look at the rest of these pieces, we would come to nearly the same conclusion on all of them uh, yeah. based on our discussion and based on the, the survey um, I would probably give almost all the same answers. <laughs> okay. Right. And then the comparison, I said I didn't want to use the word fair, but like they're coming at the art from such a different perspective and almost from different schools of art. And I think Basquiat's work is just far simpler in some ways in terms of like technicality. 
Well, I, I would say, you know, I, I don't think he meant to, it meant to be simple. I think he was trying to create a technique. But right. I do. Th- I think there's less impact. I think my general overall take between the two is that Basquiat comes off with a, a more powerful punch to begin with, but then yes. doesn't have anything really to follow, or generally doesn't have much to follow through with. Whereas Rockwell is so focused on detail that you have to get past the first impression and start reading through those details. And it's so amazingly constructed. I, I, I mm-hmm. it's, it's shocking how every detail is considered mm-hmm. in Norman Rockwell's pieces. Right. Well, you said something interesting, the, the, the raw punch. So like, for example, if you looked at the untitled piece, which is basically a skull from 1982, and you compare it with the connoisseur. So here you have this raw punch, like you said, is the skull and all the colors and the black and the contrast of the white and the blue in the background. And then you have the connoisseur, which you have his style with this guy staring at this art piece. And now the random, crazy, wild punch is the art that he's looking at and that craziness and that contrast. And so this is what I was saying earlier. This is where Rockwell really demonstrates him as an artist. Uh, He could do impressionistic art if he wanted to. Um, He shows it by giving a little glimpse of this guy looking at what he could do if he wanted to. I really don't feel that Basquiat could ever pull off anything close to the details and realism that Rockwell pulls off. I'd hate to make that assumption because I, I don't know what he would have been capable of. And it's, all, I mean, the one of the unfair parts of comparing these two particular artists is because Rockwell lived into his 80s and right. Basquiat lived into his 20s. Yeah, he was like, what, 27? So it's it's hard to know what he would have evolved into. And I, I don't know, I haven't seen any of his really early works, Basquiat's early works, so I don't know if he ever had a period where he was able to render things realistically. And also, as far as draftsmanship, I don't know that there's a better artist than Nolan Rockwell. Right. And I think that the, the funny thing about that connoisseur piece, I think the note that I really want to make about it was that that's basically a Jackson Pollock, but it's not a Jackson Pollock. It's, in mm-hmm. fact, a Nolan Rockwell. He made that painting on the floor of his studio in the style of Jackson Pollock, basically in an afternoon. Well, I think it took him a couple of weeks to get it down, but it's so <laughs> funny. To, they actually have pictures of him doing it. With uh, Pollock, he's got a huge studio and he's got these huge canvases and he's, he's racing back and forth across these huge uh, expanse of canvas. Rockwell, on the other hand, is is creating what I feel is the exact same energy and motion from a very small square on the on the bottom of his floor. He's like almost very carefully recreating something mm-hmm. using the same technique, and it, it's kind of, it was kind of mind-boggling. That's interesting. Yeah, I like what struck me about the piece after I got through my first impression. It was like, you know, here's a, a gentleman in a, a suit holding a hat, which is somewhat dated. I remember my father wore a hat in, way into the time frame where people didn't wear hats. Right. And he's staring at this very contemporary piece. And he's a connoisseur. And he's also he's standing very close to the painting that got to me. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like maybe what a foot or two away from the painting right. and a connoisseur of art would be standing further away from the well, painting. No, 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 well, not a Pollock. Not necessarily. Not a Pollock. Right. You know, that, that kind of like old school styling of the clothes looking at it was almost like two generations, like someone trying, you know, it's like, is this good? Is this art? You know, looking at that, that's what I got from the piece. Exactly. And that, that is very specific. That, that is characteristic of Rockwell. I mean, he will put the details in for very specific effect. He's not only holding a hat and he's in a suit at, a, uh-huh. on, at an art gallery. He's also holding an umbrella. Right. Yeah. The, the hat just the hat stuck out to me. It just in my mind right now, I can see the hat. I love the duality of the painting. 
it's, yeah. it's Norman Rockwell down to the queue, but then it's also his contemporary artists. This is what they're doing. So you're getting both, you're getting the best of the 1950s kind of smashed together. Right. And then really, I know, I know we, we should probably just get on with it and leave it because as you, you guys accurately sense that we're going to go in the same place with all these mm-hmm. paintings, generally speaking. Oh, I do want to make one note on that Basquiat on the, um, the head, the, the portrait. This is a painting that I think a lot of people will look at and say, well, I could do that. And to some degree, I'm going to reject that idea because. Yes, I would too. As a painter, someone who's worked with colors and painting for 40 years, I know the the subtlety that is required to manipulate colors and variants of colors to get that kind of effect that he's got there. The Basquiat has in that head. Those blues, those yellows, those reds are balancing in a way that shows me that he has a good grasp of color theory. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily color theory, but just a good grasp of color. Right. So this whole episode basically was set up so that I could talk about one more painting. So I I do kind of want to throw it in. We don't have to talk about it in depth, but it's probably my favorite Rockwell painting. And that one is, can you guess? The one that just got sold or is going to be sold or just got sold, the Boy Scout one? No. No, it's actually one of the ones I sent you. It's Lost in Paris. Really? Which is, uh, yes, it's it's a cover for the Saturday Evening Post which is a you know an anchor for his career. This is how he got started. This is describes most of his career. And let me describe it first. This is a Parisian scene, and we see two dyed-in-the-wool Parisians, a very beautiful, young, very well-dressed, 20-year-old female, and a also immaculately dressed Parisian policeman with his cape and his hat, and he looks perfect. Policeman's slightly in the background behind the woman, and he's clearly a much larger person. Just look at the size of the heads. You can get, you can clearly see he's a much larger per- person. He's bending down over her, and he's still taller. So this is a big guy, tall, not not thick in any way, very skinny Parisian, but he's kind of looming over this young woman, and he's clearly exasperated and and just yelling. You're not necessarily yelling, but arguing fiercely uh, to something. I don't. We don't know exactly what the dialogue is happening here, but there's a clear dynamic that's being set up. And she is just poised and calm, and you see that through her expression and the way she's standing. But what really kills me about this, what slays me about this piece, and and will keeps it in my mind, is that her right hand, her left hand, is holding what is probably a map book. She's looking at the book to try to get the answer to to answer whatever quandary the two of these two have gotten themselves into. But with her right hand is slightly stretched out, and she's holding the cape of the policeman. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just seems like the most calming, dismissive move that she could make right there. She is just putting this guy, he is going kind of a little nuts, and he, she's just holding him off with this gentle handhold, and she's, I'm the adult here, and I'm going to get the answer. Just relax. <laughs> and the, again, this is something you don't see immediately. You just, you, you immediately see this very expressive policeman, mm-hmm. but on further refinement, you see this beautiful way that she's just holding him at bay, with one hand, while the words on the page will decide who's right and who's wrong. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the only reason we're here, yeah, so I could describe that painting. I know. It's like, thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So I give this one a 10 across the board. Well, if we're just going to look at all the pieces in general. Yeah, if you have any any, any other ones that you want to you pull out specifically, let's, let's talk about them. Well, just as a generalization, uh, you had said when we very first started this that Rockwell through his imagery really creates, or all these, both these artists create an emotion. Like the details 
and the complexity of the pieces by Rockwell, I think they stir up more complex and more emo, uh, more diversified emotions. With the with these other ones, with the Pasquale, they basically they all seem to stir up the same thing, which is kind of raw emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing, nothing very sophisticated. Not a sophisticated emotion, at least in my mind. For these, you're either angry or mad, or you're feeling uh, intimidated, right? Right. But with like, for just for example, looking at this last one you have here, new kids in the neighborhood, where you have the African American kids with the Euro kids, and they're meeting each other for the first time in front of a moving truck. Um, there's a lot of emotions that go in there. Very sophisticated thinking goes on about history, about um, what kids do versus what adults do. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on here. I don't see that always or rarely with the uh, Basqua pieces. That's just looking at these in general. And in your whole description with the Saturday Evening Post pieces is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You just listed, James, a whole mouthful of things that were pulled out of that one image. I, I think it would be more difficult to pull all those descriptive um, feelings and thoughts out of these other pieces. And I think let's put things in perspective. Uh, I'm, this is certainly not the case with all of his covers or all of his illustrations. They don't rise to this level, but there are some of them that really break through just being illustration and, and have such an... Uh, such but content. We're in the, the, go ahead. We're looking at pieces that say everybody knows that that's a Rockwell, right? And we're looking at the pieces that everybody knows who anybody knows art knows that that's Basquiat. So the thing is, and the question is, uh, since these are their top pieces, how do they rank against each other? And I, I just think the Rockwell, like I said, is more sophisticated and and and. and, and that's an art to itself, that primitive art too. I mean, Picasso, like uh, you had said also earlier, that's that's where he evolved into pulling out all this primitive and prime, you know, primal art mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was coming out. Uh, Rockwell never really went there, with the exception of maybe this connoisseur piece. <laughs> yeah, that's probably my favorite piece of this. Oh, of this the, whole, the kids' yeah. neighborhood. No, not well. The kids oh. in the neighborhood was number two. I mean, the, the connoisseur. Oh, the, the kids connoisseur. in the neighborhood. The kids in the neighborhood. What struck me were the lines on the ground and how the the kids on the right side, which are Caucasian kids, they're they're further away from the, the line. That uh, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't seen that. Uh, that I I see it now though. That's great. And the black kids on the left are approaching the line. Like, come on. Let's get this together. That is really interesting. You know, that's that's a great point. From that p- the piece, what I my favorite part of it is you've got the tall kid on the right in the yellow, mm-hmm. and and the black kid with holding. Well, first of all, they're both holding baseball mitts, so it's like right, they have right. a commonality. But yeah. those two figures, that's what the painting is all about. They're locked in, and they have basically mirrored expressions, like reserved uh, judgment, mm-hmm. and and the ability for Rockwell to be able to pull that kind of emotion just from mm-hmm. the expression that he he creates on the face mm-hmm. is, is quite amazing and should not be overlooked. Right. No, no. The first thing that sh- jumped out at me was that line in the sand pr- pretty much. I'm so glad you said that because I hadn't seen that before, but that makes total sense. And no detail in his paintings goes unthought of. Right. Right. Very likely that he considered that. Yeah. So no, I liked that one. So anyway, yeah. So, and, and I'm going to say, mm-hmm. it sounds like, the one that's coming out of the octagon is Norman Rockwell as, quote, the winner. But I'm going to say that 
because I do see some expression and some work going into Basquiat's, I wonder if he had survived, uh, you know, to his 30s, his 40s, mm-hmm. his 50s, or his 60s, or his 70s, what we would have seen from him. Right, or survived the heroin addiction. I think a lot of this frenetic, and, you know, and I'm not sure why I'm so drawn to his work, and I still am. And any of this, if we ask the question, would you hang this on your wall? I would still probably not hang a Rockwell on my wall. There's just far too much detail for my aesthetic. And I think it comes down to a personal aesthetic at this point. Would I hang any Basquiat? Probably. Even his self-portrait at the end. And, you know, it's just because some of my walls are so stark, that would be all I needed with that pop of energy, Mm -hmm. irrespective of the emotion behind it. I mean, I don't think we can take away from either of these artists, but in terms of like the detail and the technique, transcending illustration to become more of a like high artist, as you were saying, Christopher, you know, I think Rockwell does have it hands down. And um, Basquiat has something. I, I'm just still saddened that he his, his life ended so so briefly when he could have. I would have loved to have seen. I, I don't know what he could have. I that's, mean, the, he have... that's the ultimate question with Basquiat. What could right. have been? Uh, right. and, and, and I say, if, if any of his pieces, I, I could see that final portrait that you mentioned. I'm glad you inco- included that one. I would pro- I would not be against the idea of hanging a small version of that somewhere in my house because there's something evocative about it and powerful mm-hmm. about it that I really liked. Uh, but as far as the the Rockwells, I would definitely hang the Lost in Paris. I'd be happy to. I might even go out and buy it. <laughs> I mean, not the painting, but a, a reproduction of it, right, obviously. Right, right. Uh, and also the Connoisseur because it makes me. Both of those make me quite. And it gives me a little bit of joy. Plus, the connoisseur is just, you get both. You get you get the best of the 1950s art world. You get the Pollock. You can see the Pollock. You can uh-huh. enjoy the Pollock. But then you can also see the, the tension between, the quote, the old guard and the new guard. Exactly. Yeah, that was my favorite piece of all of the. All That's, of I'm the, glad the I incorporated, included that one. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I really too. do. So, anyway. Well, this well, was interesting. Yeah. So. Uh, Christopher, thanks for coming out. And yeah, joining, thanks. Joining, uh, adding your voice to the chaos. Oh, it's so wonderful to be with you guys. Um, you're, you're, it's, it's nice to have a conversation like these, you know, so often we have loves of life and we have no one to share it with. So this is very nice. Oh, so you're an art nerd. Is that what's coming out of this? (laughs) I don't know if I, I'm not going to call myself an artist. I I mean, what I'm going to say is that I'm an artist, but an art nerd. Yeah, I would. Okay. So I would definitely say, uh, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) Because I think the art that I like is cool. <laughs> hey, man, if you like, that's that's good that you have something you like like that. Most, I'm not sure a lot of people could even identify what they like. No, I've I've asked people, hey, what do you want to do? You want to go to the museum with me, you know, L.A. County or go down the, and you'd be surprised. Why would you go there? I hear that, you know. All right. I, I think I have an idea for a future show. We should go to one of the museums together. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I actually like the Phoenix Art Museum. I used to go on Wednesday a lot. And when Hulu, what was it Hulu? or was right, you know, hula's or whatever used to be right across the street on central and they had reverse happy hour on Wednesdays. And it, Wednesday was like the free, you know, you just throw in like a donation. It's like oh, go on Wednesday too. and see what they would do. Take you anywhere. And then I go to hula's and have like reverse happy hour. And oh, that boy. was like one of my things. I would do it alone <laughs> if no one wanted to do it with me. Do we want to do that at some point? Go to the museum together? I would love we, it. Well, let's do it. Right, as soon as that is uh, practical. As soon as it's practical. Okay. Super. Okay. Well, thank you guys. And I'll be talking to you next week. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Christopher. Bye. Thank you.